being that today is a preview service, we're going to test something that's going to be very important for the rest of our lives. As Creekside Church, we're going to test something out. Here we go. If you were one of our pirate ship kids, you may be dismissed. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll, try, we'll try that again January 7th. Our pirate ship kids, um, you may be dismissed. That's our uh, upper elementary kids. And if you could just imagine one day with me, there will be hundreds of kids flocking out of here to the sound of R. Just picture it with me. It's going to happen. I promise. Uh, but like I said, thank you so much for being here. My name is uh, Pastor David. And there are just so many people that I need to thank this morning. Just thanking our team, thanking uh, the people that are on tech, thanking the, the folks that are in band. Um, believe it or not, it has taken about a year to get here this morning. So in a way, this is not the end, but this is just the very beginning, and it's just a checkpoint uh, to, to something even grander, which is our launch on January 7th. Like I said, it, it's taken so much. It's taken a year. And I know that if you're, you're here this morning, and maybe it's your first time getting to know anything about Creekside Church, you're, you're looking around and you're just kind of wondering about who we are as a church, who we are as people. And let me just start off by saying that we have big dreams in mind. We have big dreams in mind. We have a big, big goal. Bigger than what you see here this morning. Bigger than ourselves. Bigger than anything that, that we've ever accomplished so far in our lives. And Pastor Robert alluded to that just a minute ago whenever he shared our vision statement with you. And I want to share that with you again. And it should be on the screen. This is why we're here this morning. This is why we exist. For me, this is why I get out of the bed every single morning besides my wife. All right, she's here somewhere. Don't tell her I said that, but besides my wife, this is why I get out of the bed in the morning. Here's our vision statement. Creekside Church exists to see the gospel saturate Goose Creek and beyond by giving every man, woman, and child consistent encounters with Jesus. Now let me break that down with you just a second. We exist to see the gospel saturate Goose Creek. Any business owner can tell you that what they want to do with their product is they want to see their product saturate the market of wherever they are. Our product is the good news of Jesus Christ. And we want to saturate this city and beyond with the good news of Jesus. How do we want to do that? We want to do it simply by this. We want to do that by giving every man, woman, and child consistent encounters with Jesus. Consistent encounters with Jesus. So I hope you can see this morning that our, our vision, our dreams, our goals are much bigger than us. They're much bigger than what we see here this morning. Giving every man, woman, and child consistent encounters with Jesus has to take place in the workplace, has to take place in the neighborhoods, in homes, in apartment complexes. It has to take place outside of what you see this morning. And that's why we exist. We exist so that the gospel will be in every school, in every neighborhood, in every home, in every apartment complex. We exist to see the gospel spread in those places. We want to see lives made better. We want to see this city change because of the good news of the gospel. I don't want 
there to be a single inch of this 16-mile-wide city where there is no representation of the gospel. 16 miles wide. 42 to 45,000 people live here. And of that population, you guys ready for this? I want you to write this down if, if you don't mind. Of our city, uh, Goose Creek, 69% religiously unaffiliated. 69% religiously unaffiliated. Now, that means they're not anything. They're not Hindu. They're not Mormon. They're not Catholic. They're certainly not Christian. 69% of our city has no gospel influence whatsoever. And I tell you, that keeps me awake at night. It keeps me awake at night knowing that I have a task in mind, something that I want to see happen, something that I want to see accomplished, that our team wants to see accomplished, yet knowing that the task is great. That the task is great. If you were to drive any direction from this school this morning, if you were to draw a five-mile circle around this school using this elementary school as a radius, it is a population of 95,000 people. 95,000, very little gospel influence. And so with this vision, there comes a lot of, if I can be honest, comes a lot of fear, comes a lot of uncertainty, there comes a lot of doubt. In this year that it's taken to get here, and my wife can attest to this, there's been many sleepless nights knowing that the task is so great and knowing that I am somewhat just fearful and, and, and daunting of the task ahead. And you know the reason that I feel that is because I just, some days I feel inadequate. I feel unprepared. I feel just ordinary. I feel ordinary. After all, it's been phrased that Goose Creek is the city where church plants come to die. And here we are. What in the world are we doing trying to plant a church in Goose Creek? This is supposed to be the city where church plants come to die. I feel unprepared. I feel ordinary. And I think if we're all honest with each other, we've all felt that way about something in life. I think we've all at some point or another felt really discouraged or felt inadequate or we, we felt like there was something greater that needed to be accomplished and whatever it takes to get that done, we fall just a little bit short. Whatever it takes to, to get that, I don't know what it takes, but whatever it takes, I don't have it. I fall just a little bit short. I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there. Maybe it's a job or a, or a test or a relationship or something great that you're trying to do with your life. However you want to spend your days and whatever it takes, you just feel short or inadequate or ordinary. Well, I have good news this morning. And if you don't take anything away from this service, if you don't take anything away from today, I want you to take this away. And the bottom line is simply this. God takes pleasure in using ordinary people to accomplish His will. God takes pleasure He delights in. He is happy with using ordinary people to accomplish His will. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke. 
By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one right over here at our Connect table. You can just take one, and that is yours for free forever. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to pay anything for that. We want to supply you with a Bible, at the very least we can do. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Hopefully you're somewhat familiar with this passage, given that it is Christmas. You guys didn't think you were going to come this morning and not hear a Christmas sermon, right? Well, here we are. If you got it, say, I got it. Luke chapter 2. Awesome. Three of you. That's good. <laughs> Luke chapter 2. That's what we're going to pick up in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It's like a census. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, or engaged, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. Hopefully that sounds familiar to you. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Say this with me. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom He is pleased. Let's try that again. It's Christmas. Come on. Let's try that again. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from Him into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that your word would transform us, that your word would change us. Lord, like we said, that Creekside Church exists to make lives better, and that will not happen apart from you speaking to us. So we pray that right now, in the midst of this room, that you would speak to us and that we would hear from you and our lives be changed and that we would give you proper glory through the reading of your word. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. So he starts off 
In those days a decree was given, and it says that they went to be registered, verse 4, and Joseph also went up from Galilee. Galilee. Joseph went up from a little town called Galilee. This is, this is where Joseph and Mary resided. This is where their home was in Galilee. Now, if you were to drive through Galilee today, there would probably be a couple hundred thousand people there, and they would all be probably Muslim. But in Jesus' time, Galilee was just a small, ordinary, podunk town. Uh, and, and this is where Joseph and Mary were from. So they're leaving out of Galilee in order to go and be registered. And it's kind of like this. How many of you have ever been on vacation, and you're going to that grand destination, and you stop through a little town to get gas, you grab your Slurpee, and you get back in the car and you thank God that you weren't from whatever that town was? That was Galilee. That's where they are from. Jesus is born to a family that is out of Galilee, an ordinary place that is of no significance, that is of no importance, that meant absolutely nothing to anybody else but Jesus. And this is where he comes from. He comes from this podunk town. We would have probably never heard of Galilee had Jesus not been from this city. He's from this ordinary town called Galilee. And that's where he grew up. That's where he learned what it was like to be a man. It's where he spent most of his time until he was about the age of 30. He knew the Galilean culture. And what's most significant about this little town is that later on in life, people would refer to him as, you mean that Jesus from Galilee? Jesus the Galilean? Is that who you're referring to? Jesus was happy. He was honored. He picked out of all the cities and all the time and all of history, all the places that he could have picked, he picked this small town to grow up in. Galilee. This ordinary place. And it seems fitting to me that God delights in using ordinary cities for his purposes. He delights in taking ordinary cities and changing them for His glory and for His name to be, sa- to be changed forever. And so whenever I read this passage and I think back on the history of who Galilee was, I ask myself, why not Goose Creek? Why not this city that seems to be overlooked when places like Somerville and North Charleston are booming with church plants and they're booming with livelihood? And I think about the city that I live in, the city that I've come to love over these last several years, and I ask, why can't God take an ordinary city and do something incredible in it? Why can't God take the the 69% who have nothing to do with Him, the thousands who have nothing to do with Him, why can't He radically change them for His glory and for His name forever? Whenever I think of Galilee, that's what I think of. But that's not where he stops. He goes on and it says in, in verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. Who was Mary? Mary was considered and is considered today the the greatest, most significant woman who's ever lived. But before 
before Jesus, who was she? She was a woman who had just found favor with God. She was a virgin. And God saw her and and took her and said, I want to make you the mother of Jesus. Small, insignificant, probably younger than, than we imagine. And I can't imagine what she was going through. I can't imagine in her time period for her to be with child and to not be married to Joseph could have meant risking everything. Could have risked her, her, her life in society. Could have risked her, her relationship to Joseph. She could have been divorced before she was even married to him and he could have ridded her and she would have been looked on forever as the woman who had a baby out of wedlock. But God took Mary, this young virgin, and he Obviously, she gave birth to Jesus and she became known as the most significant, one of the most significant women of all time. God taking something that who, who just seems ordinary and changing their lives forever. And then even probably my favorite of all as we get down to verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them being the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be uh, for all the people. And so what he's, he's calling out these men, he could have called out anybody to show them the birth of Jesus, to bring them to the appointed time of the anointed one. He could have called out anybody, but he called out the shepherds. I think in our day and age, in the 21st century, we've somewhat glorified the shepherds in our nativity scenes, and they're, they're decked out, and, and they look adorned right around the manger scene, but really, the shepherds slept outside. Their livelihood were sheep, and they smelled terrible. Really, in this day and age, the shepherds would have been like the high school dropouts, and of all the men and of all the occupations that the angel could have appeared to, who does he appear to? He appears to the shepherds. No one quoted the shepherds. There's no books on the shelves written by any of the shepherds. They weren't men in high society, sophisticated men. Their livelihood were sheep. And of all the people, of all the occupations, guess who received Word about the Savior being born, it was the shepherds. So you have Galilee, you have Mary, and you have the shepherds, all people, ordinary places, that God calls up and uses them in a very significant way. And so this morning, I'm here to tell you that God takes pleasure. He delights in using ordinary people to point things towards Himself. He delights in it. You realize here with me this morning that the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, spent His first night on earth in a cave with a Virgin Mary and a couple of high school dropouts. That's how He spent His first night on earth. Oh, and guess what? Whenever it came time to go home, He went home to Galilee. That's how Jesus delighted to spend His first years on earth. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29 says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. 
Not many were powerful. Not many of you were from noble birth. But God chose what is foolish. I'm going to substitute ordinary. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring about to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You see, we can't boast about anything. We can't boast about our salvation or our relationship with Him. We can't boast about anything that God does. You know why? Because it wasn't us who did it. If God wants to do something great in and through us for this city to change those numbers, then guess what? It will only be because of His glory and for His name and not for us. He's the only one worthy of the glory. And you understand that when God uses ordinary people in insignificant places, He's the only one that can get credit. He's the only one that can get the credit. Whenever He uses ordinary people in insignificant places, then we step back and we realize, hey, it wasn't anything that I did. It was all about something that God did. What if something so great happened in this city that only God could get the credit for? What if something so unimaginable happened in and through Creekside Church that only God could get the credit for it? They say, man, what, what did you guys do? What, what's the magic sauce? Only God. Only God can get the credit. You see, I've been praying that over the last several months and, and really over the, the last year, I've been praying, God, would you just do something so great in our city? Would you do something and save lives and make lives better? Would you do that so great where it wouldn't even be about us that only you could get the credit. What if we prayed that way? What if we prayed that way with our lives, that no matter what's going on, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter where you are, whatever job you have, whatever relationship you have that might be fractured, that might be deteriorated, your life itself. What if we asked God to do something greater than we ever imagined so that He might be the only one that can get the credit? That's my prayer, and I hope that's your prayer too. Because you see, if something so great happens in our city that only He can get the credit, then He's glorified. Then He's glorified through that. And so my challenge to you this morning is to give God glory. Give God glory. Verse, verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the angels are giving God his proper glory. The angels are giving baby Jesus his proper glory. The shepherds, they move to the cave where Jesus was born. They're bowing down. They're giving him glory. Mary's looking at Jesus. She's giving him glory. Joseph is around. The wise men eventually show up, and they're all giving him glory. And you can just imagine, they're there. They're ordinary. They're surrounded. They have joy, but it's Jesus who gets the glory. It's Jesus who gets the glory. And so we're here. We're doing our part. He's called us here. And something great is going to happen. It's just that it ain't about us. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about Him getting His proper glory. You see, I, I coach basketball on the side. It's not necessarily something I get paid to do. I'm not good enough. 
It's my first time I've ever coached basketball. I coached basketball for the city, and I coached the 9 and 10-year-olds. We are the Spurs. Uh, actually, Daniel's, uh, our worship leader, is my assistant coach, assistant to the coach. <laughs> and so I, I, I've taken this upon myself, just a good opportunity to meet people. And we actually had practice yesterday. Now, like I said, I've never coached basketball before, and so I get all the 9 and 10-year-olds around, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I'm a 9 and 10-year-old and I'm trying to learn basketball and I want to get better, what would I want to know? And so I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. What's important for a 9 and 10-year-old to learn? All right, there's a lot of shooting drills. There's a lot of different things that we can do. Uh, I've never done this before. How exactly do I go about coaching 9 and 10-year-olds? And I came across this one little drill. It's one little teaching, actually, for 9- and 10-year-olds. You want to keep it simple, okay? Uh, for those of you who will do this in the future, or you've done this in the past, you want to keep it really simple. And so what I've taught them on the very first day for our defensive end and for our offensive drill was, was just this. Just follow the ball. Just follow the ball. Keep your eyes on the ball. And wherever the ball goes, you go. Pretty simple, right? Even a 9 and 10 year old can understand that, okay? I got the ball right here. We're going right. You guys are on defense. You're just moving right. You're just moving with me. Wherever the ball goes, you go. Just like that. Keep your eyes on the ball. Really, really simple stuff. If we keep our eyes on God getting proper glory, I think we'll be all right. If it's not about us in any way, shape, or form, but it's all about Him, and it's all about His name, and it's about His renown, if it's about His kingdom being spread, then I think we'll be just fine. Because that's why we exist. And so I, I challenge you here this morning. I need you on board with this in mind. Step back. Give God glory. And allow Him to do the work. And we will be fine. Luke 2 is a story about Jesus being exalted by insignificant people in insignificant places for His will and for His mission to be accomplished. And all that I'm going to ask for our days going forward is that Creekside Church would be a story about Jesus Christ being exalted by ordinary people in a very insignificant place for His will to be accomplished. And so the question is this morning, Will you make yourself available to that? Will you make yourself available to be used this morning? I'm here to tell you, we are inadequate. We are going to fail at some times. There are going to be things that we just don't knock out of the park. There are going to be times when, yeah, that was just, that was a loss right there. I'm here to tell you, we are ordinary. And there will be many pains and there will be many sleepless nights along the way. But are you available? Is your yes on the table for just God to get His glory? That's all we're asking. God to get glory for us to be available. That's all that we're asking. Are you available to spend time in the morning with the Lord? Are you available to find and have that intimacy with the Lord in the morning? Are you available to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with that coworker, with that friend, with that relative? Are you available to be on mission for His glory and for His 
name's sake. He delights in using ordinary people to accomplish His will. Just imagine with me for one moment what it would be like if we did see ourselves as ordinary. Just imagine with me what, we, what it would be like if we saw ourselves at, as ordinary, but God's presence and God's glory started to move through this city. Just imagine what a movement would look like in this city. Imagine what a movement where, where all the churches were on the same page and all the churches celebrated with each other, all the churches doing well at the same time. Imagine with me what it would look like if our vision is accomplished, that lives are changed, that those 69% of people who are religiously unaffiliated become affiliated with the good news of Jesus Christ. Imagine with me what it would look like. It's going to be great. Are you available to this? The Bible tells us that many times that Jesus associated himself with lowly people in ordinary places. And perhaps the most ordinary was not a manger. It wasn't even the disciples who were just fishermen by trade. The most ordinary, and I would go even further, the most low thing that Jesus ever associated himself with was the cross. The cross, uh, uh, what was a Roman execution stake, something that was considered low, something that was considered horrible. Only the, look, only the people who were low in society would be associated with a cross. And Jesus went to that cross, the most lowly thing that we could know in our society, in their society, and he endured that. He died on the cross, associated with himself as a criminal. Whenever it was us and our sin that put us in that position, we are the criminals. We were the ones who should have taken his place on the cross. But Jesus, accomplishing very significant things with ordinary people in insignificant places, Endured the cross so that you and I might have access to God. This is the good news of Jesus. And so if you're here this morning, you've heard me say good news. You've heard me, me say that several times. And what we want to do in our city, we want to take this message that Jesus Christ has died for our sins, has resurrected, and is an, in heaven right now at the right seat of the Father. That is our message. That is the gospel. And that's what this church will present. That's what this church is founded upon. That is our foundation. And so if you don't know this gospel, if you don't know this message of good news, I invite you this morning. The band's going to come play. And I invite you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that today might be the very first day. Today might be the day that you say, I, I need a relationship with Christ and allow Him to change you, allow Him to give you the grace and allow Him then to, to send you on mission with us. If that's you, if that's you this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, what we're going to do this morning, what we're going to do for, for every day going forward is I'm going to be at the back of the room. And the invite is simple. If you would like a relationship with Jesus, then just come see me. Come talk and we'll give you that opportunity to, to have a relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you did in Luke 2. How you used insignificant people in insignificant places to accomplish your will. 
We pray that you would do that with us. We are ordinary. We are insignificant. But we're available. And all we're doing is we're, we're removing ourselves from all of this that is Creekside Church. And we're going to allow you to work. My prayer, Lord, you know this, I've asked you this for several months, is that you would do something so great in our city that only you could get the credit. That lives would be changed. That stats would be changed. And at the end of it all, that we would look to you as the only one worthy of glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to do that right now. Uh, this is our last song of the day. I want to invite you, as we, as we step back, remember, as we step back to, to give God His proper glory, I want to invite you to do that with us this morning in our last song. Uh, let's just, really, we, we chose this song, Cornerstone, uh, because Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. Uh, as He is the foundation of it all, He's joined many things together. That's what a cornerstone is. It's not something that we use in our language every day. But Christ is the foundation of our church. He's the foundation of our faith. And what was once separated, us, we're now brought together. And so I invite you to join and sing with us this morning.